When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is February 11th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the trade deadline is now less than two weeks away. Uh, which is crazy that it's coming up this fast. I feel like last year's deadline just happened. Uh, but now we're at the 2020 trade deadline. We're very close to it. Uh, so this episode is spent previewing it. We'll preview it next week as well. Um, obviously a little bit more in depth next week because there'll be more concrete reports. There'll be more uh, things to go off of. Um, hopefully news happens before then. Uh, so uh, but this week I had on my good friend Mike Petralia, who covers the Bruins as well for CLNS Media. Uh, and we get into everyone uh, and everything and talk about everything. It's it's a great episode. Uh, I love Trag. Trag is one of my really, really good friends uh, in media. So we always have a great time um, doing this. I hope you have a great time listening to it as well. Uh, before we get into the conversation, uh, I want to tell you that the footballs might be packed away. But basketball, hockey, golf, and others... Uh, you can find your odds for those sports with our exclusive sports bet partner, uh, betonline.ag. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun, maybe even a lot of fun, with some betting action today. Again, go to their website, betonline.ag, and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sports book expert. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Petralia. And we're here with Mike Petralia. Trags, what is up? How you doing, Evan? I'm doing well. It's, uh, we're recording this on a, very rainy and gross Monday. Black, it's... miserable kind of February day. But hey, look, February 24th, the NHL trading deadline is ahead of us. And uh, I think the Bruins could be uh, movers and shakers, at least acquiring one piece. Yeah, I mean, I think the feeling right now, we'll jump right into it. The feeling now uh, is that something's going to happen. They're going to make a move. You know, they they Don Sweeney in the past has shown no uh, reserves and making a move. I mean, you know, I remember in 20, the 17, 18 team, um, no one expected them to be as good as they were that year. 
And, you know, it was a lot of young guys on the team their first years, and they were, you know, battling for the top spot in the Atlantic. And Sweeney goes out and gets Rick Nash and, you know, trades Ryan Lindgren, trades, uh, I think there was a first-round pick in there for Rick Nash. That was a huge, huge move. Shirelli was not someone who was apt to make the huge deals at the deadline. Sweeney did uh, that year. Last year, he went out and got Coyle and Johansson, who were more, I guess, complementary pieces, but now Charlie Coyle might be the second-line center of the future. So I would not uh, – my expectation is they're going to do something. I think it's going to be a top-line winger or, or a top-six winger. Uh, Treg, sort of your initial thoughts on what they might do in two weeks, or even now, who knows? I think, uh, Evan, they are more likely – um, to go out and get a young winger like Josh Anderson, who's from the Blue Jackets, who's 25. He's 225 pounds. He's a potential restricted free agent, <clears throat> but I think there's a lot less risk there and salary cap implications, a lot less salary cap implications than going out and getting, let's say, Chris Kreider from the Rangers, 28, and he's going to be a UFA. That's a strict rental at this point. And I don't think the Bruins are going to go down that path, especially when you're looking at a guy that's going to be seeking in the neighborhood of $7 million annually. You get a younger player in Josh Anderson. Uh, I would like to see him uh, do that. And there's obviously the potential uh, that they bring back Jumbo Joe. I mean, I know you want to get into this, but I think bringing back Joe Thornton, uh, and he doesn't make much money. He makes two million bucks. So that would be prorated. It would not be a huge salary hit on the Bruins. But it'd be a great story if the reverse of what happened with Ray Bork happened to Joe Thornton, where he actually gets a cup at the end of his career with the Bruins, uh, instead of uh the situation with Ray uh in two thousand and one having to go out to Colorado to get his chase his cup. Yeah, so we'll start with the Josh Anderson stuff. You mentioned that. Uh, Bruins have been reported to to be in on him. What's funny is during their series with the Blue Jackets last year, I loved the way Josh Anderson played. I mean, he was hard on the forecheck. You know, I mean, he was just a power forward. He could, you know, he could produce. But this year, he hasn't been producing. I think he has a goal this whole and year. Hurt. And he's hurt. So that scares me. I think there's a lot of red flags there. You know, if you asked me this in April of last year, I would have said, Hell yeah, I hope the Bruins go for a guy like Josh Anderson. But seeing how he's played this year, I'm iffy on that. I think that that would be a to, a move to bolster the third line. I'm not confident he can come in and be a good, solid second line right winger that they need uh, or that they want for a deep stretch run. I, I think he would come sort of cheap. He, his value is at his complete lowest right now. Well, and he's only 25, and if he comes cheap and he's only 25 and you have the potential of signing him long-term, maybe that's attractive to the Bruins. A lot of this really is going to come down to what the asking price is. With Joe Thornton, the asking price, uh, or who's the other veteran I can't think of right now that uh, is out there from uh, San Jose? Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton? That, you know, neither one of those players I don't think would cost that much, uh, but uh, the other thing you would have to keep into consideration is the Bruins aren't the only team in the market looking for um, a cheap, possibly key integral piece to add uh, going down the stretch, namely Tampa Bay, uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Toronto, all of those teams you would figure are going to be in the chase. I said it on last week's episode. I can't believe the Sharks are selling. Like, I, What's crazy to me about the Sharks 
is they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, this is a team that, that you know, they were supposed to win a cup at some point. And that core now, you know, Hurdle goes down with an ACL. Um, and now, you know, they're at the bottom of the Pacific and they're going to be selling. It's just crazy to me. So uh, the Josh Anderson thing raises some red flags. The age is great. And yeah, he's a pending RFA. But if you really want to make a deep stretch run, you got to do more than just him. Um, again, there's the potential that he has a season like he did last year, but I'm not sold on it quite yet. The Joe Thornton stuff is fascinating to me. Uh, Joe McDonald wrote about it in The Athletic. So, you know, the, the Joe Thornton stuff had been kicked around for a little bit. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, people had kind of been whispering about it, talking about it, you know, on Twitter and stuff. But, you know, Joe, Joey Mack is one of the top Bruins writers. Um, covering the team and he writes it and it feels like, huh, I know something. Um, he knows, on this. right. If Joey Mack is writing something, then somebody's talking to him. Exactly. There's no doubt he's, in my man, mind about that. He's got somebody in his ear saying this is a possibility. Um, and he, you know, he talked to Johnny Busick for the story. Um, you know, and, and obviously Johnny loves, uh, uh, Jumbo. So, but what I think is, is fascinating. I think you have to look at this from first the standpoint of the reverse Ray Bork which would be pretty cool to see him come back and try to win his first Stanley Cup because, you know, Joe Thornton, the MO on him is, you know, tremendous skill guy his whole career, but never could win the big game, could never – I mean, he got to the Cup once. Um, that was back in 2016. And lost but, to the Penguins. Correct. Lost to the Penguins. Um, but, you know, that would be a tremendous story to see him come back. You know, things did not end well when he left here. Um, in 2005, I believe it was, um, they traded him for Marco Sturm, Wayne Primo, and I think it was Brad Stewart. It was a really, like, it's equivalent to the movie. Brad Stewart, that's a blast from the past. So is Marco Sturm for that matter. That's like a Mookie Betts type trade. It's so funny. Like that, that is kind of the same type of thing because he was their superstar. He won the Hart Trophy the year I think he was traded. Um, and similar to a guy like Mookie Betts. So I just think that's, that aspect is, is, uh, very funny. Sorry to bring up Mookie Betts for everybody listening who is having a tough time with it. <laughs> um, but, but what I will say, uh, from a hockey perspective, you know, where he fits in the lineup, I think, you know, for starters, you could probably put him on the third line center role and move Coyle up to the right wing. You could move Joe Thornton as the fourth line center and move Corrali up. Is that left wing that they've been doing lately? What do you sort of think? Where do you think he fits in if they went out and got him? Uh, I would probably put him uh, as a third line center. And um, like you said, move uh, certainly I think the possibility of moving Charlie Coyle up to the second line uh, with uh, David Krejci, I would not be averse to that. I think the, the, the feeling is I think that uh, Don Sweeney uh, and Bruce Cassidy want – to have the top two lines, if they're going to make moves, they want their top two lines solidly in place, projected what they will be going into the playoffs. And they want to feel for those two lines that these, uh, that they're, they have the potential of being productive on an every game basis or almost every game basis, uh, in the playoffs. They don't want to be playing craps here. And I think if they get a guy like Joe Thornton, 
Joe Thornton, as you know, with his veteran leadership and his ability to uh, add some depth to the uh, third and fourth lines, I think it brings some value there. Um, but the other thing we have to keep in mind, how do the Bruins really view Joe Thornton and his skills at this point? And I don't know if I can fully answer that uh, until, uh, you know, Joe Thornton becomes a, a Boston Bruin again, because the Bruins aren't going to talk about that, obviously. But that's the, you know, the biggest uh, X factor in all of this, Evan, is how do, how do the Bruins view Joe Thornton? And, you know, we can sit here all day and talk about moving players up to the second line, moving Charlie Coyle to the right wing. I don't know if I like that by the way. Um, I like him on the third line. I like Corrali as a fourth line checking center. And I want, that's why I think a guy, a younger player um, who uh, could bring some depth uh, on the wing uh, and not cost too, too much uh, would be a good way to go. So you mentioned, you, you briefly mentioned it. You, you said you, you weren't sure about Coyle on the second line. That's what holds me back from doing this trade and from getting a guy like Joe Thornton is um, do we really think that Charlie Coyle on, as the second line right winger is the way to go? I don't think it is. I think the, the you know, if you, if you want to be best primed for a deep playoff run, you put Coyle as your third line center. That's, you know, that's the role he thrives in. That's the role that he thrived in so well last, last playoff run. Uh, back last spring when he was getting the favorable matchups on the third line. I mean, Coyle on most teams would be a second line center. He's a third line center for you guys. You know, why, why move him up and have him get, you know, used to a position that he's not, you know, you know, he can play, but not natural. And I would rather have a natural right second line, right winger next to Krejci. Give me a guy like Tyler Toffoli or someone like that who strengthens that side long-term uh, at least for the rest of the season there and leave Coyle on the second, uh, excuse me, on the third line uh, where he gets those matchups that he was getting uh, back last postseason that helped him, you know, score as much as he did. You know, why mess with that? Joe Thornton's fine, you know, uh, but I don't know how much he really adds. Uh, you know, he's, he's older. He's a little bit slower. A guy like Coyle on that third line is faster. He's, you know, harder to knock off the puck. Um, the only upgrade that I can really think of with Joe Thornton would be if you put him in front of the net on the power play. I was just going to say his presence uh, in front of the net, even though he's a, a natural center, but it, uh, putting him in front of the net uh, would be pretty fascinating because he still knows how to work the you know so-called dirty areas and the Bruins, they need that. And we saw that on Saturday uh, in the win uh, over Arizona that, you know, there are teams are going to start taking away pasta from uh, in and around the net. They're going to push them out towards um, the top of the circles, towards the high slot, try to keep or keep them on the boards, and they're going to force him to pass the puck. Well, pasta on Saturday did a great job of finding uh, Berge and Jake DeBrusque, I believe it was, and uh, Berge and DeBrusque took redirects and scored on the power play. That's you know something also to keep in mind. The way teams are going to start playing the Bruins might impact the kind of player that they're looking to acquire at the trade deadline. And on Sunday, uh, in that 3-1 loss to the Red Wings in yeah, Detroit. They, can't beat, they cannot beat the last place team in the National Hockey League. It's weird. I, 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 I tweeted it. I was like, the, Red, you know, the Bruins better hope they don't get the Red Wings in the first round. Uh, the other thing that, uh, just quickly, I, on that loss, 
maybe it's not the worst thing because no, I agree. Right, I don't think it is. Right now, the Bruins are uh in line for the President's Trophy. At least they were heading into the game against the Red Wings. Uh, now they've lost twice to the Red Wings this season. Good. Good. I hope they miss the President's Trophy by, you know, four points or less um, because this is a President's Trophy curse. And, you know, you, no team wants to win that President's Trophy. So- I think that's kind of silly, though. I Look, the reason that Tampa Bay did not win in the first round and got swept by Columbus last year was not because they were the President president's trophy winner it's because they weren't prepared for the playoffs and well, it was also a little bit of that because i mean they just steamrolled I, teams all year they did and they got lazy the bruins could win the president's trophy they're not going to be a lazy team uh and a you know an overconfident team and and you know the the bruins could win the president's trophy and it might be a race to the end tampa bay won the president's trophy last year and they were so far ahead that there was no pressure on them for essentially the last quarter of the season after the trade deadline that, that there was a feeling of no pressure. And then the pressure got the screws got put on them when they blew that three, nothing lead in game one and they never recovered. I just don't see that happening to the Bruins. I think, you know, the Bruins have had their issues this year. They've blown uh, multiple goal leads in the uh, third period several times. It's been well-documented. So they're going to be on their heels. They have been told, hey, look, you guys this year have not been good with the lead. You know, are you going to be able to improve upon that very critical uh, ability come playoff time? Are you going to be able to do that? So people have been doubting the Bruins, even though they have the best record in the NHL. Last year, nobody was doubting Tampa Bay, and they had them right through to the Stanley Cup final, and you saw what happened. So my long-winded way of saying this, and that's why podcasts are great, is I think what's happening with the Bruins could be the best of both worlds. They could win the President's Trophy, and there still will be doubters that point to some of their deficiencies this year and point to what happened to Tampa Bay last year and say, don't be so sure about the Bruins. And having people doubt the Bruins, I think, is good for the Bruins going into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And I also think they have the the Game 7 loss fresh in their memory from last year. I think that's also I such a motivating factor. That. And so it's it. I think that would knock away the President's Trophy thing. But I still would rather them not win it. I, uh, I don't know why. I but disagree I just, with that. I, I, just, I want them having home ice advantage throughout the playoffs if possible. I totally disagree with that. I mean, last year's game seven against the Blues aside, um, they did beat Toronto in a game seven last year when it mattered again. Um, and they had home ice advantage, uh, in the second and third rounds, uh, leading up to the Stanley Cup final and it mattered. And, uh, if I'm a Bruin fan, I want them having home ice again. I mean, the only thing is, you know, they're going to have home ice at least in the first and second rounds. It comes down to that Eastern Conference final if Washington's there. Um, but I, to me, I just think that the the stigma around the President's Trophy, it's just some something in my head that's just like, eh. Also, eh, the Bruins only, like, won, oh, Bruins only won one game at home against the Blues last year. It's in, like in the that, Madden yeah. curse. With, like, the Madden curse has been disproved, like, what, three out of the last four years? And, uh, this past year it was dis- disproved. Um, Holmes yeah, and I think the year before last it was also disproved with – oh, Brady. The year – I think either Brady – somebody somebody from the Patriots was on it, and uh, Brady went out and won the Super Bowl. And so, you know, I don't believe in curses, Evan. I mean, this is about the trying to build your team up and put yourself 
in the best position come playoff time. That's what, you know, the last quarter of this season is going to be for the Bruins. And, you know, they, people were concerned about um, their legs at the start of the season. Uh, Bruce Cassidy was concerned. They got through that stretch pretty good. They're still the top team in the NHL, even having played until uh, June 12th. And St. Louis is right there. Look, if you ask me right now, and, uh, you know, on February 11th, when this is airing, what do I think is going to happen? I like the Bruins and Blues in a Stanley Cup final rematch. That's really? The, yes. That's the way I think this is heading. I really do. A re- I mean, it would be a great thing to see, you know, a rematch. I mean, that'd be a nice-ass rematch to see again. Um, I just – I would hope if they played again, I would hope some of the game, more of the games went to overtime – there was only one, and all the other games didn't really feel that close. I wish there were more close games in that series. I feel like that series was lacking in close games. Game seven was, you know, aside from the first period, was really not that exciting, I don't think, for either side, except one side was winning the Stanley Cup. But as a game, you know, game-wise, I didn't think it was, you know, that <laughs> exciting or anything. That's true. I, so I would, ho- I would hope there would be a little bit more excitement during these games. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Imagine, imagine, here's a scenario. By the way, this isn't, this is not informed. I just thought of this in my own head, so nobody think this is fact. Imagine David Backus gets picked up by the St. Louis Blues, and they, and the Bruins and the Blues play each other again in the Stanley Cup. With Bacchus on the Blues and like the Bruins win, and he pulls a Marion Hosa where he switches teams, you know, and loses in the Stanley Cup consecutive years, but on different teams. That would be awesome. Would, who, did Marian be Hosa, who did Marion Hosa pull that trick off for? Uh, he did that with the Red Wings and the Penguins, I believe. <laughs> he would, because there was the years 07, 08, and 08, 09 when they played each other, and I think he flip flopped teams. He was on the Penguins first. And the Red Wings second, and he he was he lost both years. Ironically enough, though, he was with those Blackhawks teams that were wagons, so he ended up winning like three uh, in the next couple of years. But yeah, no, I I I'm almost positive he missed uh he missed the steal he missed the winners <laughs> both years, and he was on both teams. I don't know. I don't have a Stanley Cup prediction yet. I think it's very early. The Pacific Division's a mess. I hey, I can't see bad. the I can't see the Canucks or the Oilers. Sneaking in, I mean, I feel like it would have to be a Central Division team. I mean, it does feel like the Blues are the team that's going to come out of the West again. But look, I mean, I I think it's going to be the the team that still uh, catches my eye are the Edmonton Oilers just because of their high level skill. I mean, their well, their top level skill is out of this world. And if they get you know modicum of production from their second and third lines. Um, that team would be fascinating to watch in the Stanley Cup. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the Bruins and Edmonton Oilers in a cup final. That would be – now, you talk about a series that I think would rejuvenate um, a lot of casual interest in hockey fans. Um, I think that would do it if, if you got Edmonton and Boston back in a cup final. Well, I think it would be great for the league in the sense that Connor McDavid would be on a national stage. Uh, I think that would be great. I think that would be the really fun part of it. And, like and Nugent title Hopkins. Too. Yeah, I mean, you'd have the the primary matchup, you know, the two mar- players that market the most would be, you know, McDavid versus Pasternak. Who's going to be the future face of the league type thing? Um, and I think it would be great. I just, I yeah, don't awesome. know. If, 
I don't know if Edmonton can get there. I, I really, mm. they're so thin on defense. Um, and having but, watched that game last week on national TV against St. Louis, I mean, excuse me, against San Jose, um, they fall asleep too too often for me. They they, yeah. they they have spells where they in their own building that game was they just fall asleep. I'll tell you the series that a lot of hockey fans want to see in the playoffs. Oh, I I know what you're going to say. Yeah, and I don't know if it's going to happen. Is Calgary and Edmonton that if oh. that happens, the world will cut. The hockey world will come to an end. I agree, and I think that like, and the fact that NBC hasn't been putting these games on, right? I mean, if I, I, everyone's been talking about it on Twitter. You know, they have these other games on that are just way less exciting and way less meaningful. But they well, there are don't... a couple of things there. You know what's going on at work there. First of oh, all, yeah. they're not American teams. That's first Correct. one. And secondly, um, the league does not want to be promoting what these two teams have been standing for. And um, I love old-time hockey. I love, love it when it. there's bitterness and agitation and you know, let's just call it for what it is: hockey hatred for each other. That uh, that the sport needs that. It needs that intensity. Um, and yes, the skilled players are great. We love watching, you know, skill hockey play uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs at an incredibly high level. Of course, we love that. But there's no reason we can't have uh, a knockdown, drag them out, seven best of seven series against two teams that hate each other in the Stanley Cup playoffs. To me. I mean, hockey would just die for that. I, I'll tell you one thing. Canadian hockey fans, Canadian NHL fans are definitely rooting for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, give me that series 10 times out of 10. That's the biggest rivalry going on in the sport right now. There's really – I don't even think there's one that's close. Oh, I'll I mean, tell like, you what. And looking at the standings right now, uh, Calgary's the second wild card. But if they win um, – if they uh, they are just two points out of third place, and if they finish third and Edmonton finishes second or second and third, either way, Calgary second and uh, Edmonton third in the Pacific, uh, that's your first round matchup. Oh yeah, and that'd be an incredible first round matchup. I mean, and, and another thing that I think is getting overlooked here: how good would a Bruins Flames Stanley Cup be? And here's why. Matthew Kachuk versus Brad Marchand would be awesome to see play yeah. out because Kachuk, I mean, Kachuk is, is Marchand just younger. I mean, that, that, you know, that would be really awesome to see. And, you know, I mean, they would be just getting under each other's skin, starting shit. I mean, it would be great to see. Yeah. That. But I, I would say, I would say Brad Marchand is a, a higher level skill player. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've heard that com- compare I heard it last week, you know, when the, the Edmonton Calgary stuff was all over uh, the hockey world uh, news. And um, I'm like, well, yeah, Matthew Kachuk is an agitator and he's very effective. Uh, he's a tremendous hockey player, but he's not Brad Marchand. Well, Marchand was kind of like that at the beginning of his career. I mean, Mar- no one expected Marchand to do or to become what he's well, become. Points wise. I, w- I would argue, yeah, but I would argue people who watched Brad Marchand with the puck and how quick his lightning fast his hands were, they knew he was uh, an explosive scorer waiting in the wings. I, I don't know. That's that's my feeling on that. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely debatable. So that should be very fun. What sort of happens there? Um, get just kind of get circling back to the trade deadline stuff. Um, Bob McKenzie was on 
during the uh, Bruins-Blackhawks game on Wednesday, I believe. Um, and he mentioned some names just real quick uh, for potential Bruins deadline targets. Um, he mentioned Josh Anderson, mentioned Tyler Toffoli, which we've talked about a lot, and yep. Chris Kreider, who there, I think there was a recent report that they're getting close to possibly signing just an extension in New York. Seven million dollars uh, annually, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't seem like New York really wants to part ways with them. Um, it would take a lot to get Chris I Kreider. Don't think I don't that's going to happen. I don't think Kreider's the right guy. I think that would take so much. That I think that would take more than what it took to get Rick Nash, um, which was a lot that. at the time. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. Um, so I think the, the smart move, truthfully, if I if I had to if I was Don Sweeney. So Evan Marinovsky becomes general manager of the Boston Bruins. I think Toffoli's the right guy. And if you want to add another forward, uh, just for, for depth reasons, if you want to throw him on the third line, a guy like Andre Kasha of the Ducks, who's been mentioned, you know, throw him on the third line. It's just some support. And then there you go. You go into the playoffs with what you got. So that, that's my take on, on what I think that they should do. Certainly, first of all, you've got to search in a Tyler Toffoli You've got a team in the Kings that's going nowhere, and oh god, yeah, and that's got to be part of the equation, right? You've got to um, target, you know, a team that is in this day and age, you're, and especially in the Western Conference, there's so many teams uh, that are right on the brink of the playoffs uh, because of, of the lack of any dominant team uh, outside, you know, the St. Louis Blues in the in the West. Um, you've got to spotlight a team or highlight a team that is willing, going to really, really wanting, want to part ways with, uh, you know, a talent and, and bring back a big haul in return. I think, you know, the Bruins uh, would probably have to pay a pretty penny for a 27 year old um, forward in, in a guy like Tyler Chipotle, but he may be a better fit uh, to your point, Evan, about, um, you know, finding that real winger, to go next to David Krejci on that second line and keep Charlie Coyle centering the third line. I like that idea better than I do moving Charlie Coyle up to a wing position on the second line. Yeah, and I just think Joe Thornton as the third line center would just kind of be unproven in a way, you know? I mean, he's, he's, as I said, he's older, he's slower. I, I don't know if he adds anything new to it, you know? I mean, he, he it's not like this is, uh, you know, Justin Williams and he's, you know, Mr. Game 7. I mean, Joe Thornton's playoff track record is not anything impressive at all. So that aspect of it, I, I'm not really 100% sure of. If you look back, though, this is kind of fun. I was just thinking about this. If you look at the track record of veteran players the Bruins have brought in since, let's say, 20, like, you know, 2009, because that includes Mark Recchi, you know, of guys they brought in to win a cup at the end of their career. Granted, Recchi had already won one, but, you know, Mark Recchi for, you know, I think, what did they bring him? 2009, I think. And then he stayed an extra year and won it in 2011. Uh, then there was Yarmir so, Yager. Yeah, that's the, right. 09, 10, 20, and then 10, 11. Right. Yep. And then they brought in Yarmir Yager at the 2013 deadline. They stuck him on the second line. That was an experiment and a half. Um, that sort of worked. I mean, I, I actually know. was going to tell you right there, stop you right there. I thought Yager with the Bruins was still highly productive, like yeah, a lot he, more productive than people thought he was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he was solid on the power play. It was, he was all right next to Bergeron and Marshawn. I mean, it, you know, he wasn't, 
I mean, he, was, he got out of breath a little quickly because he was like 48 years old, but he wasn't, he wasn't bad uh, by any means. And then they got Jerome McGinley the next year, who they, who they were going to get at the 2013 deadline, but then he chose Pittsburgh. Ironically, Pittsburgh lost to the Bruins in that conference final, but then again, came to the Bruins the next year, I think got 30 and 30. He, he, he got 60 points. Um, uh, let me look that up. And that was the year the Bruins won the President's Trophy and lost in the second round to the Canadians. Still, I still cannot believe that team did yeah. not uh, make any more noise than they did. That team was that team should have been in the Cup final at least. Um, and and Aginlo Aginlo was a huge part of that team. He was on the he was on the Krejci line. He replaced Nathan Horton. Yeah, 30, 30 goals and thirty one points in the. 13-14 season for Jerome for the then 36-year-old Jerome Aginla. Yeah, and he came here thinking he was going to win 78 games. You know what's amazing about Jerome Aginla, Evan? In at the age of 36, 37 and uh 38 and 39, he averaged 81 games a year. That is incredible. That's unbelievable. He really didn't miss time. Ever. No. I mean, I mean, he he was he was supposed to be the extra piece the Bruins needed, and then I, he jumped ship for Colorado, right? He signed uh, there correct. for like a, a last that's, ditch effort. That's didn't correct. Signed him too much, and they obviously you think he's one? He's gonna head to the Hall of Fame, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Terrell yeah there's no question about that. But you, uh, you know what? It is remarkable he never won a cup. Oh yeah, he went to one, I think, with Calgary. He, that. Yes, that is correct. Um, well, oh, oh five. No, no, no. Oh, oh five, oh six. Because they didn't have a cup yes. in oh five. Yes, um, that's right. Yes, he went to the cup in oh six. Yeah, and lost, and that, and I think it was a game seven too. So, I mean, you know, should have had a chance with the Bruins. I think in in twenty fourteen, uh, obviously didn't. Uh, but I think it's kind of funny to look back. I mean. I I just can't wrap my head around Joe Thornton returning here. I think that would be insane. I think um, the only reason you do that is for a PR move because uh, first of all, like we said, he's got to have a place. I mean, you just don't break up the uh, chemistry on that on that team uh and bump I don't think they're going to bump Sean Corrali out of the checking line for Joe Thornton. I just don't maybe they would, but I don't know. I think, I think that the only I thing think they, they love Sean Corrali as a checking center. Yeah, I think they do, and I think they'd just move if they didn't. They'd move him up, like they have been lately, to the third line uh, on the left side. But I can't. I just you as you said it perfectly. It'd be a PR move, like, and they don't need to do that. Um, I just don't know if there's real value there. Um, he doesn't really score. He just pretty much sets people up to score. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not really confident in that happening. Uh, I feel like that's kind of just being tossed around because the Sharks suck. They're selling. He needs a cup, and he played here before. I doubt that happens, but the fact that Joey Mack wrote about it makes me wonder. Yeah, it's just where where do you put him? That's, that's exactly my, the problem. Unless somebody gets hurt, and obviously that changes everything. Yes. Like if Charlie Coyle were to go down with an injury tomorrow. Or if David Krejci were Or David Krejci. That, then then part, that you know, changes. Exactly. Then Parlin, you can't be your third line center. 
and then Carlo, uh, I've Carlo, then Charlie Coyle moves up Carlo. to the second, uh, moves up to the second line center and, um, and then Joe Thornton would make a ton of sense. Cause what ben he would, what he projects, correct me if I'm wrong, but what he projects as right now is a third line center. Yes. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him above that. Um, but Trags, thank you so much for joining. I feel this like this is we, fun. This it is always fun. I feel this is what we wanted, and we have good chemistry. We we have fun. I, I like um, that. I like it. That's very nice. Um, and so I feel like it sucks that the deadline's two weeks out. That I, we're gonna, I'm gonna have to do this again with somebody next week. Something. Hopefully, there'll be more concrete reports. Oh, I'm sure there will be. Or maybe the Bruins will have maybe have done something by then. Last year, they did the coil stuff really early. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised maybe if they if they get something going or do something. Keep an um, eye on Tory Krug. Hmm. Just keep an eye on whether or not the Bruins try to get some type of deal done with him before the trade deadline. I'm 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 curious. I'm not you saying it's going to happen. A very good. Po- that's a very good point. But because if they had if they had something done with Tory Krug, and I am of the belief that Tory Krug absolutely positively wants to stay in Boston at any reasonable cost, if the Bruins could uh, lock him up before the trade deadline and have some more cap certain certainty, then it makes uh, the possibility for going out and getting somebody uh, younger uh, who they can build around going forward um, more of a possibility, I believe. Well, it's funny. Pete Blackburn mentioned last week on this show that, you know, he thinks once crew hits the open market, he's gone. So they've got to do something soon. Uh, so yeah, I agree. That's something that I kind of forgot about this week, but you're right. I mean, that's something that I think could totally happen. They could resign him. They could fucking deal him. I mean, I can't see that happening, but you never know. Um, but there's probably going to be a lot of things that happen this week and next week. And uh, this was fun. As you said, this was a very fun uh, little little chat we had. We'll do it before the playoffs get here for sure, right? Oh, God, yeah. You know know I want to. Don't blow me off. Don't don't be like, oh, Trags, you were great on the podcast, and then call me up, you know, a week before the freaking Stanley Cup uh, playoffs begin, and I'll be like, like, (laughs) where the F were you? People know that listeners know Trags will be on before then. He's going to be on quite a bit. Don't fucking um, leave me hanging, dude. Don't, I know. Don't I do know. that. Okay? <laughs> I That's all I that. ask. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Uh, I, I'm good. I just, you know, for those who uh, cross-pollinate, Patriots Beat, uh, I host that uh, every week on the CLNS Media Network. So get all of your Patriots um pre-draft news, your mock draft news, and uh, hot talk around ugh, Tom Brady. I Look, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm ready for the Tom Brady story to be over. And I think most of us on the Patriots beat are ready for that story to be over. Um, it's either shit or get off the pot, if you ask me. And I think that's the way most Patriots fans feel. But uh, anyway, that's the only thing I have to plug. Well, you're lucky that you have Bruins to kind of take your mind off all the Brady stuff. Because if you're on the Patriots, uh, I would agree with that. Constantly, you're just dealing with Brady stuff. I mean, this is, I mean, it, the Brady watch is like a real thing. So it, it, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with it. Um, I can't think of anything that the, the, the Bruins beat would put up like that. That's even close to what that is. Um, so I'm very lucky I don't have to deal with it. But Trags, thank you for joining. Uh, and for CLS Media, I'm Evan Baranofsky. You, Bruce Beat listeners, have a great rest 
of your week. 